Jackie Tan and welcome to the Bodies Built Better podcast. On the show, we chat with experts, athletes, coaches and authors to educate and inspire you. We explore the body's incredible ability to heal, adapt and evolve so you can crush limitations, reconnect your body and mind and discover your extraordinary potential. Today on the podcast, I'm talking to Doc Jen Esker, who you would probably know her by her Instagram name, Doc Jen Fit. She is a doctor of physical therapy and is a top 40 physical therapy influencer. Now, if you visit her Instagram page, you will know why. Doc Jen is an incredible athlete. She walks her talk. She has an incredible way of breaking down the anatomy and physiology to help people from all walks of life live healthier and more physical lifestyles. She is so sweet and humble and I loved chatting with her. In this episode, we talk about breath work, where to start when approaching a new program. She also breaks down mobility and there are so many aha moments. I know you'll enjoy this episode. Please enjoy with Doc Jen Fit. Well, thank you, Doc Jen, for joining me today. It's such a pleasure to be talking with you. Um, firstly, can you give us a background on uh, on you and, and how you came to become a doctor of physical therapy? Yeah, well, thank you for having me. Always an honor to be able to just continue to spread this message and talk with so many different people. Um, and it's so cool how this community has just kind of evolved. Um, so yes, I'm a doctor of physical therapy. I grew up as a gymnast, as a mover, like always very involved with my body and doing different activities. Um, and once I retired, <laughs> I started coaching gymnastics and then I started teaching Pilates and it was through this, you know, kind of coaching and teaching that I became even more obsessed with the body and understanding it and like, why am I taping an ankle and why do I need to modify around pain and what else can I do? And just these wanting to learn about the body and this hunger to continue to understand it is really what led me down the path of physical therapy and why I became a physical therapist. Um, and from there, it's just continued to evolve into education now in the social media platform, which I'm very honored to have stepped into and have people listen to me. I don't know why. <laughs> so I I'm can just... tell you why. <laughs> because you offer so much incredible information and, and so easy to implement as well yeah that's my goal with it definitely is to break it to make it less complicated and less clinical and make it more attainable to the body and to the person so um, it's been a fun journey at just continuing to reach people from all over the world and know that I can impact and help people without even having to touch them or put my hands on them yeah, that's amazing. And so in Australia, we don't have a doctor of physical therapy. So can you explain what you actually do? Yeah, so in, in the States, um, 
you know, we did have it where it was just like you graduate college as a batch, like that was your bachelor's degree and it was physical therapy. And then that progressed on to now you need a graduate degree and it was a master's. So it was two extra years outside of college. Um, and now it's an extra year outside of that. So they kind of, I just kind of like a chiropractor in the States where chiropractic has always been something very accessible to everyone where you don't have to have a prescription to go see a chiropractor. If you felt like you needed an adjustment or you got or your back hurt, you know, you could go straight to a chiropractor where for a physical therapist, you had to go see an MD and go see your physician to get a script to go see the physical therapist. And so now that they require us in the States to have our doctorate degree, it is so that we are more of that authority figure. We are there to be able to say, you can come straight to us before you go see the physician. And if we're still not able to detect the issue or we think we need, you need more imaging, then you can go see the physician, which I think in Australia, it's been that way anyways. Yeah. And so it's, it's good that we're finally on this process here in the States as well, because, you know, a lot of the times the prescriptions would be like back pain or a knee pain, and it doesn't really tell you anything anyway. Exactly. So um, it's good to be able to know that we are a first line defense for people in their bodies, especially when it comes to musculoskeletal issues. So anything that has to do with um, the muscles, the skeleton, the nerves, anything like that. Obviously, if it's internal, you go see your physician, but anything external, that's what we're experts at. Yeah. And so I know you don't do much one-on-one -on -one stuff now, but when you did, what, what was the first things you'd look at in terms of the way someone moves and um, their imbalances and, and whatnot? Well, for me, I really like to take a whole body approach. So traditionally speaking, even if you're, it's your knee that's hurting, if it's your shoulder that's hurting, I'm still going to have you kick off your shoes and socks. And let's take a look at even what's happening down at the feet and how that's responding it's, it, uh, up the body. And so that is, I am doing a postural assessment just so that we can see what your body is naturally going towards. Does it naturally go toward one side versus another? Do you naturally stand with one foot in front of the other? And just going into looking at these natural tendencies can tell us a story of what your body is normally doing. And when I have this conversation with people, it helps to open them up so that they get to understand their own body. Like, oh yeah, I do put pressure on this side. Oh, I can see how I feel the pressure on one foot more than the other. And if I feel pressure on one foot, I wonder if I lean that way more. And then if my shoulder leans that way more, you know, and it starts to tell a story up the chain of the body. And so that's why I'm not saying that like posture dictates pain or the issues in your body, because we know we've done studies. It's not true, but we can help it to play a role in a story of what your body is typically doing. And when I have that conversation with a client, they start to understand their body in a way that makes them feel more empowered to have the tools for themselves rather than just relying on the things that I'm going to do for them, right? Because I don't want anyone to feel reliant on me as a clinician. I want them to know that I'm here as your guide. I am your facilitator for you to take the steps necessary for your own body. And so when we start with just this postural assessment, it helps to paint and start the picture. And then from there, we go into movement assessment. And even if you, even just how you walk, 
because if you're not rotating through the upper spine, you know, or if one arm is stuck and I, and I point it out for you, like, oh, do you notice how you don't swing that arm when you move? Or do you notice how you have a little lean when you walk? Like it, it's these little minute things that we don't even think about in our everyday lives that starts to continue to paint that picture of just what your body is used to. And our body is really good at adapting into what it likes or taking the path of least resistance, which isn't always the best path, <laughs> and developing these compensations over time. And when we start to just catch and become more aware of these compensations over time, that's when we can start to understand how pains and aches and, and these constant things that happen in our body can, you know, start to come into play. And then obviously, you know, looking at passive range, active range, I'm looking at the breath, I'm looking at how your rib cage is moving, I'm looking at everything. Um, and I'm talking to the person too. So this is why it's like, I couldn't be in a traditional setting because you need time with a client. I want to know who they are. I want to know their background. I want to know their stressors. Because even when we start to talk about when the pain comes, it can paint a really big picture as to that it's not just related physically and mechanically, but it can also be related emotionally and stress-wise. And when we start to open up that mindset and I allow the client to to reveal that on their own. Again, it's not me telling you it's your stress, it's you telling you based on understanding your own story and hearing it yourself. And so that's why I think it's so important to work with a provider who really wants to know you as a whole, who wants to see the entire picture and is ready to send you off on the journey for yourself <laughs> so that you can understand it and feel empowered to really want to do this on your own, right? Because how many times do we get like, uh, home exercises that's like, I don't know why I would do these or when I would do these in my day. And, yeah. you know, I think it's really important to just get to know a person on a whole level so that we understand what their true goals are and what we're actually providing them. That's so powerful. And, and I love that holistic approach because I mean, it's, it's a really a matter of educating people that, you know, what in your shoulder is really like, you, that's just a symptom of, of a bigger problem here and, and that's so important to be seeing someone as a person as opposed to just the pain. If you find that there, after all of this, you've gone through that postural assessment, you, you've picked out things that they might not know that they're doing, how do you then bring awareness or teach them that self-awareness so that when they leave your the room, the office, the treatment, um, they can, you know, be triggered when they might be doing something that, yeah, could be the issue. Yeah. So that's where I like to then shift into, okay, now that you can kind of see how your body likes to be in the response, what if we did something different? And so it could be as easy as I don't even have to tell you what to do, but if I tell you to squat differently, if I tell you to move in a different pattern, and I'm not saying what to do if I don't cue, if I don't um, correct you, but I allow your body to kind of figure out the path on its own that feels better and that doesn't have pain, mm -hmm. you're, it's surprising how many people will do it on their own and have their own tools in their body. And so when we just start to open up the pathway of doing something differently, um, if it's painful, 
don't do it the same way, do it differently, right? And if we just start to play with this, and then yeah, of course, I'll, I'll, I'll cue, I have different exercises I like to guide into. And if they can feel a difference within that, that was different than how they were doing it before, or we do an exercise or a breath pattern, and then they get up and walk, and they're like, oh my god, I don't feel pain anymore, then I've given them the access into a tool that they can now have available at any time they need it, anytime they need to get break out of that pattern or, or break out of that pain cycle. And so it's those immediate things that you can kind of get in the nervous system that really help to relieve that pain. And I think that's why we do sometimes become reliant on providers because we can talk to the nervous system and affect it not only through breath and movement, but also through touch, through, um, our hands on treatment through adjustments and manipulations. And so if you're coming in to see someone and they provide that nervous system change, it's easy to say, Oh, this is why I need them over and over. But that's why as much as I want to touch someone, as much as I want to allow them to feel that nerve, that neurological change with my hands, I also want them to feel it on their own because that becomes the most powerful take home that then they can use and utilize at any time within their own body. Amazing. You've just started a podcast, The Optimal Body, and I was listening to the breathwork episode and I love that episode because it's, I mean, people talk about breath work and it's so important, right? But they really, <laughs> they don't talk about the mechanics of it, the, the physiological response in our body and why we should be concentrating on it. So can you talk about that a bit more? Yes. Um, I love that you brought that one up. Yeah, that's <laughs> honestly one of my favorites. And the one that um, Dom and I, who's my co-host and my fiance on the podcast, um, we both t like that is our go to every time that we have a client is we start with the breath because it's truly our foundation. We come out of the womb breath is the first thing that we need to be doing right <laughs> in order to, to live. And, and it's the basis of everything. And when we, see a baby and they're breathing into their chest and they're sucking in air, it's a really scary thing. But when we see a baby and their bellies are naturally going up and down, they're calm, they're breathing, they're relaxed. That's what we want to promote within our body and not through forceful belly breathing, because I've also had many clients who come in and they're like, Oh, I'm belly breathing. And they're just forcing the bellies in and out. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> almost. <laughs> Um, but when we really get, you know, to open up how to effectively use the diaphragm, we're all using the diaphragm when we breathe, but if we can make it even more effective, then we help to actually learn how to reduce inflammation in the body, improve mobility within the body and range of motion, magically reduce tension and knots and all these other things that we may feel. And it can actually reduce pain because our pain receptors are, it's really pain in the body is that sensitivity around the nerves that's telling our brain like, Hey, I'm in pain. And if I can decrease the sensation of that inflammation within my body, if I can decrease that response of my nerves to my brain within the muscle, within the tissue, then I can decrease that sensation of pain. And breath is the first tool to help you get there. And it's as easy. Uh, I mean, we go over specific techniques in the podcast. And so I hope people will go listen. Um, but 
really it's as easy as just thinking of extending the exhale and decreasing the inhale because usually when people think of oh take a deep breath to relax the the deep breath that we focus on is just the inhale and we're really bringing the shoulders and everything up and if you also think about it when someone scares you you get really tense and tight and you bring the shoulders up <laughs> so why would we be trying to relax in the same position that we get scared in and that increases tension so rather than thinking of the deepest inhale up, I like to think of an inhale out to the sides. So really expanding from that rib cage and then really elongating that exhale. Because if we elongate the exhale, then we automatically help to turn off that on switch. That, that on switch is that sympathetic fight, flight, freeze. So if I can turn that off, then I can easily uh, tap into that parasympathetic and really just decrease the, the stimulation within my body, within my muscles, within the tension, and help to come back to a calmer, more relaxed, more a place where I can digest even, just a, a better state within my body. And I think especially in our world, we run at a very high stress mm. naturally without even knowing it um, in the body. And so if we turn, create these practices where we can turn that stress off, then it really is going to help to support literally everything within exactly. the body. Yeah. And it, it really is as simple as that learning how to breathe properly. And it wasn't until you really mentioned like spending more time on that exhale um, is really what I guess down regulates the system. And, and it wasn't until then that I started practicing that, that I noticed the changes within myself. And, and I'm so glad you mentioned like, the difference in terms of that belly breathing and that diaphragmatic breath because they can be completely different and I'm such a visual person and as soon as you say belly I put my hands on my belly and I make sure that's moving but nothing can be happening around the that lower rib cage so can you explain a little bit more on that diaphragmatic breath yeah. and how we can use that in terms of um, athletic performance? How can that really um, improve that? Yeah, so I mean, even when we start to come back to the breath and understand uh, the difference in the breath pattern, we can help. So if I'm learning how to expand from my rib cage, I'm also learning how to contract from my rib cage. And when I can really improve the way that this rib cage is moving, then I improve the way that I not only use my rectus abdominis, which is where a lot of people like to move from. That's the, that's the fancy six pack muscle, right? <laughs> but that's not really our main axis of control. We want those obliques to really be able to move, which the rib cage is great at really locking down those obliques. And when we get that rib cage to expand and compress, it also automatically kind of shifts from this tilted position where a lot of people kind of flare their rib cage out and it helps it to rest better on top of the pelvis. And then when we get naturally this pelvis more aligned with the rib cage, we all of a sudden don't have to worry about what hip flexor stretches do I need to do to release my tight psoas. <laughs> and we help the, the whole pressure system from where the air is coming in at our neck through our rib cage and how the diaphragm is moving and then down into that pelvic floor where it's going to reflexively kind of push back up. And so everything starts to work as one within that whole trunk of our body. And when we can get that whole trunk of our body to move 
to work better, even in a passive slow breathing, and then even for a faster, more dynamic breathing, then that's when we can use our extremities really strong. We can use our legs and our hips and our muscles around the hips in a way more dynamic way when we get this, that's the true core. The core is the, is the neck all the way down to the pelvic floor and the way that you breathe. And when we get that working better, everything else will start to become so much stronger, faster. It just, it, it opens up the entire picture. Yeah, amazing. You um you mentioned slightly in the podcast um, the the difference between a normal exhale and then a a more pressurized exhale, and that would be pursing the lips. Mm -hmm. Should we be practicing one over the other? I would say practice it all. I mean, the moment that we come back to breath is just is is a good moment <laughs> in yeah. time because we're automatically shifting attention from what's happening cognitively back into the body and what's happening into our body. And we're really dissociated from our body a lot of times. Yeah. We're trying to figure out what everyone else is telling us. But if we could just figure out like, feel it in the body, put your hands on your rib cage and actually feel that movement, put your hands underneath the rib cage and see if you can even get that, you know, to kind of release under there. It's so important. And I, I talk about purse lip breathing and kind of increasing that resistance more so too, when we're just trying to retrain the way that we're using that diaphragm. So if we actually want to work on strengthening the diaphragm, then we can work on taking a slow inhale through the nose and then a slow exhale through the mouth. And that kind of helps to like, when you, when you breathe out through pursed lips, you're going to feel that contraction around that entire abdominal wall, the pelvic floor, the diaphragm. So everything helps to contract a lot stronger. Um, and if I'm just doing passive breathing from my nose, which is where we should mostly be all living from most of the time, unless we're talking, close your mouth. <laughs> Use your nose. <laughs> this beautiful thing here is our respiratory system, not our mouth. Our mouth is our digestive. And if we just start to think about that, that, that difference, you know, when we're able to use our nose a lot more, then we're going to help to get oxygen throughout our entire body up to our brain. We're going to be thinking clearer. We're going to be oxygenated into our muscles. So they're going to be able to be used. Um, and it's, it, it will really help the entire process. So I really only talk about like, you know, it practice the resistance breathing and the purse lip breathing when you're intentionally just working to strengthen the muscles and the diaphragm and, and get that understanding how to work better outside of that practice on just nasal breathing go for a walk and just try to breathe through your nose even and see how you start to feel um, it's going to make a big difference in your life yeah amazing on instagram you're very well known as the mobility queen you have a uh, a program called the mobility method um, can you explain in your thoughts, what good mobility is? You know, for me, I, I believe it's, it's feeling free within the body. That's the best way that I can explain it because it's not a, a certain range that you're trying to hit, but it's a certain feeling that you want to really obtain. And once you start working on it, you'll feel it, <laughs> you know, and and why not feel free in the body? That's what I don't understand. Like we, we wait until we have these pains of like, oh, no, I can't move. Oh, I can't lift my shoulder. Like we wait until all these things are happening before we start paying attention and noticing them. 
And that's where I, I like really urge people like take the time to feel free in your body right now. If you're noticing that these little aches and pains start to happen, there's a, there's a place of freedom that can be had. And that is as simple as one, the foundation. So the breath, like mobility is not going to improve unless you start working on the breath first. And that's why like in the mobility method, I have a whole self-assessment to really get to know your body. And then it's breath. <laughs> like before you hop into any exercise, breath. That's the, that's the main part that you have to do first or else that tension is never going to release in the muscles in the first place. Um, and then we go into, you know, okay, based on different restrictions and then the body, could you pick just one to do every morning before you get out of bed? Could you pick two to do before you do your workout every single, whenever you're going to do your workout? Could you pick one to do to two after your workout? So it becomes your warm up and it becomes your cool down. And then one before bed. And then all of a sudden you have, you know, four to six exercises that you're just sprinkling in throughout the day rather than one huge mobility hour routine that you have to, you know, try to fit in and squeeze in. It's like, that's not going to happen. Yeah. But if we just sprinkle it in, think of it like the way that I can move my body and improve the range so that I don't get hurt so that I don't end up in pain and aches is the same way as I brush my teeth for two minutes twice a day so that I don't have to go see the dentist and <laughs> get cavities and my teeth pulled out or anything else. And so the same way that we address our, our teeth is the same things that we could be doing with these simple mobility things. They don't need to be complicated. It doesn't need to be some fancy routine. It just needs to go back to the basics. And when we start to do that, we really can like really improve what we're feeling in the body. And so when someone is looking at what they should sprinkle in their routine, would, where would they start? Would, would you say, well, think about the pain in your body and what you're feeling and then, you know, find the, the movement exercises that, that work around the, the pain or would you say, oh, if you're feeling restricted, go here. If you need, if you're weak here, go there. How does one sort of start to incorporate these different um, mobility drills yeah. or exercises? Well, that's where it could be really complicated, right? Because everyone's going to have a different opinion yeah. and different thing to say. But that's where I also say like your body is so uniquely beautiful and different and it gets to be treated as such. And I think we forget that because we're like, well, this person said to do this and this person said to do that, right? But what about what is your body saying to do? And we don't become aware of that until we assess it. And so that's why I always start with a self-assessment in the mobility method where it literally takes you from head to toe and you assess every single area in the body because also where we feel pain may not be what we need to address, right? Um, and I like to, like, there's a joint by joint method that is so easy to understand. So if we look at and we take the body in like a very generalized picture, it's very general, but if we just break it down in this way, we can say the neck should be more stable, the upper back more mobile, the low back more stable, the hips more mobile, the knees more stable, the ankles more mobile, feet more stable, toes more mobile. And it kind of breaks down in this like every other pattern. Well, if we look at that, the places that people usually complain of pain most are the places of stability, the neck, the low back, the knees, and the feet. And that's why people usually say, okay, well, my back hurts. I need my core and my strengthening exercises so I can increase the stability. And even though I'm not saying that's not true, that could be true. 
we need to start by first, again, set the foundation. How is the breath? And how are the things moving above and below that area? So if we're looking at the low back, how are your hips moving? If you know you can't sit crisscross applesauce on the floor, or you know it takes you a while to get down from the floor and stand back up, and it's like a little hard, okay, your hips probably need some love. <laughs> or if you know the upper back is just like you feeling really stiff, you're bent over a computer a lot, then no wonder the back is taking on a lot of pressure. And that's where it's like, having a self-assessment helps to open up your mind and your eyes to the areas of your body that you might not have even been aware were restricted. And when we start to tap into these areas that we didn't even know about, that's where it becomes so powerful and useful within your body. Yeah. Amazing. Can you tell us your thoughts about mobility and stretching and flexibility? Because stretching can be so um, controversial at times. You know, you shouldn't, like, it doesn't matter if you're flexible as long as you can do this or don't stretch before this or that. What what are your thoughts around stretching and flexibility? You know, I think um, I don't like to say anything is, like, inherently bad or not good for you because especially if it feels good for you, then why wouldn't you keep doing it? You know, if something feels great for me, I'm going to keep doing it. Um, I just think it's like, okay, then what's the intention with it? And that's where we really get to start because if my intention for stretching is to feel relaxed in my body, then I would say, great, like, stretching is like a massage it is that passive treatment and it is great for the body in that sense like yes you can relax in it but if you're using it to say oh well i'm going to stretch because then i'm or i'm just going to do a passive hold without you know just having someone push on me or having a strap pull me or whatever it is um and then i'm going to go lift after that that's where it's like, well, what is the intention? Because if we go from passive to active, that's where it could be a little hard on your body. So I like to marry the two. I don't like to say one is bad and one is good. I like to marry it. So mobility for me is truly the act of all range of motion within the body. So how can I first tap into that range and say, let's get you control of that passive range and allow you to breathe into it? Because a lot of times we cannot even access passive range of motion like a hamstring stretch because your body is, is not used to it and it will freak out when it feels new range of motion. And so allowing the body time to breathe and rest in positions and gain passive range in order for the brain to feel safe in it is also super beneficial. So I like to increase passive range in a, in a fact that we're, we're telling the brain it is safe, it is okay, this range is accessible. And then I like to say, okay, now that I have this passive range, how can I activate around it? So how can I turn on the muscles in the front? How can I activate the muscles in the back? How can I move it through its full range of motion? So say it's my shoulder and I want to go and lift it up higher. How can I move it through different ranges in that shoulder range, right? So it's, it's taking both sides and marrying them together. And I think that's where you truly find the freedom within the body. And it doesn't have to be so black and white. It doesn't have to be too yes. controversial. <laughs> and you really get to feel that freedom and the strength um, in which your body is capable of having. I love that because I keep hearing, um, I guess, 
you know, people talking down on stretching, but if you don't have the range, then how can you improve strength or, you know, that mobility through that joint and whatnot. So I really love that breakdown of, of flexibility and stretching. In terms of mobility for a weakness, would you go check what your range is first, then work the mobility? Or is it a matter of just going, do this, uh, the, the postural assessment, work out where the, the areas of the, the stability is maybe in pain and then focus on that? Um, I think it depends. You know, it, it depends on the person and what their goals are and what me as a clinician is looking at and, and seeing. So um, especially when we're doing mobility, you'll notice that when you start to implement the strength aspects of mobility, it actually helps to improve a lot of weaknesses or a lot of places where you feel like are, are not accessible in terms of getting that strength. It's because your body isn't used to that range. And so when we start to implement that range, you'll notice that magically <laughs> those, those strength deficits or weaknesses might, might change and might go away. And so I think, you know, it, it just depends. For some people, we might need to just focus on strength stuff, especially if we're talking about like inner core stuff um, and utilizing the breath and the core and the pelvic floor and understanding how that works. And then we might need to work on range of motion. But for some people, I think we can marry the two just so magically. Yeah. Um, and, and it doesn't have to be too complicated either. It just Where's your body feeling tight? Where's your body feeling restricted? How can I work on specific ranges within that body part? And how can I start to open it up? For someone dealing with a lot of pain, obviously that mindset needs to be worked on. So what would you recommend them just to keep at it and, and looking at this more long-term? What, what would you recommend... Um, they sort of tell themselves or, or how to work through that, that mindset of, of chronic pain? I think there's a lot that has to go in there. And it, again, it depends for every person because sure. every pain is developed from somewhere. And so if we start to look back at where that initially started from, I would say it's, it's individual to each person. Yeah. And almost anyone who comes to me, I have lots of friends, obviously, who will reach out anytime they're in pain. And especially these chronic pains or these disc injuries that all of a sudden, all of a sudden flare up. And it's usually not all of a sudden. <laughs> they can usually pinpoint the exact stressor that's happening in life at the time that's flared it up to a point where now I can't sit or I can't walk, right? But it wasn't that that if you took an, an image MRI, guaranteed it didn't change. It's just the situation of life that we're in, which happens. Um, and so that's why I like to acknowledge pain. I do, the pain is not bad. If we don't have pain in the body, that's bad. <laughs> if I don't, if I don't feel when I step on a nail, if I don't know when when something is hurting, how do I know that it's not internal? How do I know that it's not worse? If I don't have that signal of pain then that's when something bad can be coming down the road. And so we get to be so grateful for the ability for our body to talk to us. It's like, hey, if my stomach grumbles, 
I know I need food. If I'm yawning a lot, I know I need sleep. But for some reason, when I have pain, I'm just going to ignore it and hope that it goes away. <laughs> we don't take the steps necessary to say, oh, thank you so much for talking to me, rather than beating you up or, or finding this quick fix that probably is not going to help. How do I start listening to you? What have I been neglecting? Because if, again, if we think about it in the same way, my stomach grumbles. I don't say, what cream can I rub on you? I say, what have I been neglecting? I'm neglecting food. I need to add food into my system. If I'm yawning, again, we don't pop a pill. We say, or maybe some people do. So want to stay up. <laughs> we, we say, oh, I'm neglecting sleep. I need to get more sleep. And it's the same thing with our body. So if our body starts to talk to us, it's just talking and it's saying, hey, you're neglecting something. Have you been focusing on your feet stuff? Have you been taking your feet out of shoes? Have you been doing stretching and mobility? Have you been doing strength training? You know, and so if we start to look at the pieces that we're neglecting in life, it becomes so easy to become our own detective in these ways of addressing the body and it doesn't have to be too complicated. But I think the first thing is just acknowledging and being so thankful for the pain that you experience. And I know that's hard. And what happens usually is I don't have time for pain. Why is pain here? Da, da, da. And you build up this sympathetic, stressed out state. Mm -hmm. And so of course, it's only going to respond to you even more. But if I'm grateful for the pain, if I thank the pain for being there, then I have a way better chance of it calming down if it not screaming so loud and it becomes manageable of understanding the things that I get to add back into my life in order to help manage that pain. Amazing. We're so, it's, it's, it's really all about that focus, isn't it? How to change uh, what you're thinking about, about that pain. Yeah. Um, incredible. So those who are more on the elite level, athletic level, mm -hmm. In terms of mobility and strength, where does mobility come into their overall sport or whatever it is they're training to do? Because, for example, if, if we've got a, um, a footballer who's working on their drills and their strength and their power and they're so committed to such a big training regime in what they're doing... Um, and sometimes mobility or the recovery side of things can be neglected. So what can they do to add, um, you know, those really important tools to a regime that is already so full of movement? Mm -hmm. You know, I would say it's always possible. So especially <laughs> if you are an athlete, look at the best athletes in your sport like truly the best athletes and go take a look at what their training schedule looks like. Yeah. It might be a little bit more intense, but also their recovery is going to be top. It's yeah. going to be one of the most important things, the way they, how much they sleep, the foods that they eat and what mobility they're doing within their body. It is 100% top of key. And so if you truly are an athlete who's saying, I want to be the best, you have to be the best at recovery. You have to get enough sleep. You have to eat the right things and you have to implement the, the tools within the body that are going to help you so that you can gain more strength, so that you can be the best out on the field, so that you can do these other things. But without proper recovery within the body, you are asking for failure a lot earlier down 
down the road and you're not going to make your goal the way that you want to. Yeah. So I think remembering that and then just as a society, it's like, if you want to be able to take care of your kid every day, <laughs> you yeah. know, and just be able to provide and lift them up and go play with them. What are the things and the recovery tools that you're going to be utilizing within your own body in order to help you to just live every day? Let, let's take a moment back in time. So when you were a gymnast, um, what was your training like? How, how many hours spent training and, and how did you recover? <laughs> oh man. Um, I don't think you like, we didn't, I don't even know. I just, <laughs> I didn't have this understanding when I was yeah. young, you know, I quit yeah. when I was 16. So I wish I had more understanding of it. Um, but I definitely, you felt it if you didn't get enough sleep, if you were just go, 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 which happened a lot. We worked out for four hours a day, plus you're at school, plus you have to do well in school because at least in my family, you needed to get good grades if you wanted to stay in sports. <laughs> so, so it was like, how do I balance everything? And sometimes that included just cutting other things out. So I never went to like a Friday night football game at my school, or I didn't always go and hang out with friends. I understood the things that were most important. I prioritized being able to get, eat the things that I needed to, sleep, work out, do homework, and go to school. So it's like you you just kind of had to do that. I think had I gone to college with it, it might have changed just so that I could have understood this whole recovery thing a little bit more. But going through school, I think you just – luckily I was young, so I had that back yeah. on my side too. <laughs> I covered really well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you're an incredible athlete yourself. I mean, the, the things that you are able to do um, – physically is is really incredible and so if if, uh, if people don't know who you are I really I want them to make sure they go follow you at doc gen fit which is your Instagram because yeah you can do some amazing things and and I it's one of those things where if you're gonna take advice from someone like taking advice from someone who's been there, done that, and can still do it really well. I mean, that's when you're going to get some good advice. So, Doc Jen, thank you so, so much for joining and chatting with me today. It's been such a pleasure. If there's one habit that you would want people to embrace right now, what would that be? I think that is the habit of just you know, finding ways to come back to the breath yeah. and little bits. It could be a minute to two minutes every day. How am I breathing right now? And can I take a moment to step away from my computer and, or my phone <laughs> and feel my hands on my rib cage and feel my breath? And am I taking a long inhale? Am I taking a long exhale? Where am I breathing from? And just dropping into this breath right here, right now. It is like a meditation without having to meditate mm. and will automatically switch so much within your life. I promise if we just stop and start listening to our breath a little bit more. That's perfect. Thank you so much. If people want to find out more about you and your work, how can they find you? 
I mean, definitely Doc Jen Fit is <laughs> the most popular place that you're going to find me on Instagram, on YouTube, Facebook, all of those things. Um, the Optimal Body Podcast, like we've been saying, um, is where Dom and I will drop amazing pearls in terms of pains, diagnoses, symptoms, and hopefully our hope is to make it easy for you to understand and to not feel so fearful of the body, um, but open up to the opportunities of what we're capable of. Um, and then, yeah, I have my app, DocGenFit, the Optimal Body app, if you want to learn more. Um, lots of places. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for chatting with me today. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you. That was Doc Jen Fit. I just loved chatting with her. The thing I love about her work is that she makes everything so easy to understand and also easy to implement. It's such a wonderful thing to be able to do and it's a skill. It's a real skill to be able to communicate the body in a way that you understand because the body is an intricate thing. So check her out over on Instagram. She's got so much goodness over there and uh, stuff that you can certainly apply to your body straight away. So check it out. Thank you so much for listening in today. It is an honor and I truly appreciate you. If today's podcast has helped you in any way, please leave a review and tell your friends and of course, subscribe. You can also head over to the show notes where you can find all the links mentioned in today's podcast. Have a spectacular day and here's to a world of bodies built better.